Welcome to Lone Oak First Baptist Church. Uh, we're glad that you've joined us for worship tonight. It's just, I hope, uh, will be a very simple um, prayer and praise service. An opportunity to uh, seek the Lord for what uh, he would want in our church, for what he would want in our hearts and our lives. We're going to hear some testimonies of his goodness and faithfulness. But we have to start our time together with praise because we serve a God who is uh, great. He created all that is. Everything we have is his. We serve a God who is um, all-powerful. He's omnipotent. His list of choices is endless. And, you know, we've thought about a lot uh, about revival in the last um, several weeks, hearing about the stories from college campuses around. And, and so it, it's fair to pray, Lord, why not here and why not us and why not Lone Oak? Right? Before we can do that, we have to approach the throne of grace and pray that the Lord would pour out his spirit in our own hearts Let's start with Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge, but there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The Lord hears them all. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In him, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Like a strong man runs its course with joy is rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Much more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. The Lord has given us truth from his word. He's given us his spirit to live inside of us, to guide us and encourage us day after day after day. And he's given us a church family to walk through life with along the way. So let's seek him tonight. Let's pray. God, in this place, we ask that you would be magnified. We pray that you would help us to set everything aside pray that you would be honored and exalted in this place. We pray that you would do what you want to do. And that we wouldn't get hung up on the time or the temperature or the daylight outside or we wouldn't get hung up on having lost an hour of sleep.
but that you would do with us what you want to. We pray that we would yield to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand together as we get ready to sing? And I love that we all squeezed in right here because this is, uh, this is what it feels like to be family, to be close. And, um, and Scripture tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And that's what we're doing. We're coming together as the church before the throne. And, and as we do that, we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. That's where our hope is tonight. That's where every good thing comes from, from Jesus. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. And uh, when I was in school, one of my professors said this. He said, I don't, I don't care what kind of song it is. I don't care if it's a traditional song or a modern song or it doesn't even matter what music it is. Just give me a song to sing to the Lord. So um, this is more than just a song. My prayer for us tonight is that every word that we sing would be just a touch point for us to, to reach out to God. Every single word would be our heart crying out, not just words, not just music, but that every word would be our heart crying out to God. So let's do that. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of
eyes to Jesus, and it's not that he is distant, he is here. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Let's sing that together. And surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power in his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see Kevin Little to come, and he's going to share his testimony with us today, and um, y'all can have a seat as he comes this way. We want to have some time of testimony tonight because it's important for the church to see how the Lord is working, and uh, we we can see that in our own day-to-day lives, right? But when we stop and see how the Lord is working all around us, it's so encouraging. So, Kevin, thank you for coming to share with us. So I'm not really good at remembering things when I'm in front of people, so I wrote this down just to make sure it came out right. And My number one goal is just to make sure that through everything that I say that God gets the glory for everything. My earliest memories occurred in church. My parents decided while I was still in the womb that our family was going to serve the Lord, and we did so for roughly eight or nine years. Now, when it happened, it seemed like a slow fall, but looking back, my family fell away from God, and then instantaneously, my family fell apart. Here I was, roughly nine or ten years old, a product of a divorced family, obviously looking for answers and a person to blame. Subconsciously, I blamed God. The God that could move mountains had just let my family fall apart. And at roughly ten years old, I was angry with God. My grandmother continued to, continued to attend church, so I went with her some. However, the once strong congregation of close to 60 members of my childhood dwindled down to the very hypocritical congregation of eight people. By age 13, I talked myself into believing that God was a fairy tale for families and churches that didn't have problems. My teenage years were a spiritual disaster. My mom remarried, we moved to Missouri, and I went to a new school. Given way more freedom than I needed, I made terrible choices, some of which I still struggle with today. I say all the time that I was never in trouble because I was never caught. By age 17, I had a favorite beer. Worst spiritual shape of my life. At around age 20, 
I was invited to fill in for the guitar player at a Celebrate Recovery service on a Tuesday night, last ditch effort kind of thing. And I, I did it. We all became fast friends. They created a spot for me and I stayed with the band for two years. And this is when God decided to introduce me to my wife, Kayla. At age 23, we married and moved back to Paducah. We attended a church half-heartedly for a few weeks. I was just going through the motions, so that too stopped. Partying came back. And this is the part of the story where Jesus intervened. I was at a party in Union City with a bunch of my friends. Honestly, I was stone cold drunk, stuck to a chair. I couldn't move. It sounded audible, but in my mind I heard God tell me how foolish I looked, how foolish I was. I got a sense of guilt and dread that I've never felt before. That's the night that I realized how lost I really was. Not long after, and it might have been within the same week, Kayla mentioned trying to come to church here. It's the closest church to our house. We eventually made it right around Thanksgiving of 2022. We loved it and we kept coming. And then on Christmas morning, with tears in my eyes, I accepted Jesus into my heart, surrendered my life to his will. Since that day, we've become members of the church. We've joined Jamie's life group. My wife was baptized and my children are getting involved. That morning, 20 plus years of pain and sorrow fell off. I sing a new song now. Our lives have meaning, purpose, truth. Doors I couldn't have imagined would be open for us are now wide open because of God. He's showing off for my family. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. amazing to, to hear um, just how God is at work, and we, we can see this all around us, and as we come into, as we're in the presence of God here, how can it be that we stand before a holy God? We know the angels cry, holy, 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 and uh, we're going to sing holy, holy, holy in just a minute, but to think that we are here in His presence is an amazing thing because um, we can never come on our own. That it is Jesus that opened that door for us to come through in to his presence. And in the song, Holy, 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 we sing, um, he is merciful and mighty. How can that be? Sometimes we, we see mercy as a weakness, but the most divine and most powerful God of the universe is infinite in mercy. He is rich in mercy. And that's his love for us. Would you stand? We're here. We stand in his presence as his people. We belong to him. No. Yeah. 
that you welcome us here into your presence tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. So a second ago, I read Psalm 19, that the God who created everything that we see, everything that is, he created it to be perfect. And because he's the creator he gets to decide how his creation works. Again, when, when you're omnipotent, the list of choices is pretty long. And you can choose how things are supposed to work. And so he's, he set up uh, the garden and he gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to subdue the earth. And by the temptation of Satan and Adam and Eve's disobedience, that disobedience broke everything apart. And so today we live in a world that's uh, cursed by Romans 1, or describe, the curse is described in Romans 1, the, that God in his, uh, in his creation, the, even though we know the truth, we suppress it ourselves. We know that he, that he is God, he is perfect, he is all-powerful. In our hearts, we still turn that off. And we say that we want to be in charge. Now, we believe that there are no sins at all that are higher or lower than others. The my failure to open my eyes this morning and uh, my failure to, 
to give thanks to God for gravity is enough sin to condemn me to a Christless eternity in hell forever. And all of this broke apart in the garden. It's been this way uh, since the beginning. But then there's Jesus. And the Jesus came to set all of that right again. And one day he's going to. It's already accomplished on our behalf. And one day he's going to do it. Right? Until then, we all live in a, a state of suppressing the truth in our own hearts. Our hearts are... are uh, full of sin. Our hearts are dark places sometimes. Often there's places in, in there that we don't like to think about, don't like to talk about, don't want to give over to him. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit won't move in a place where the people are unwilling to give their hearts to him. And so tonight, we're just going to have a very simple time of um, confession and repentance. Just a very simple time. Right there where you are, you can come pray at the front. Uh, we're going to have ministers down front. You, if you want to come talk to one of us, we'll all be just kind of seated across the front row here. If you want to use the front row or your pew as an, as an altar, that's fine too. The, our, the proper response to what Jesus has done to, to set our hearts right again, the proper response from us is repentance and faith. To ask the Lord to forgive us for whatever is going on in our hearts, what, in whatever way that we've sinned against him. Isaiah the prophet had, was given a vision of God and his... His response was, I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't even look at what I just saw. And yet the Lord came and cleansed him. The Lord came and cleansed him. Touched his, his, his lips with coal. Came and cleansed his heart. And then called him to write the book. I, the book of Isaiah called him to be the prophet. There is a way for us to be cleansed and healed by the Holy Spirit. Kenny? Just right where you're at, I just, uh, as Hank said, this is a time to respond to the Lord. And when we stand in this presence, uh, as we just heard, we, we're all sinners. Every single person in this room. Um, and I want to say just one thing about repentance real quick. Um, if we have this idea that the Lord is ashamed of us, we are wrong. The Lord deeply loves us. If it's shame that drives us to repentance, then we're missing God's love in that. But it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. You see, it's not the shame of our sin that leads us to say, Lord, I need you. But it's the goodness of God that leads us to say, Lord, how can it be? How could it be that you love me? And yet he sent Jesus to die while we were sinners, while we were far away. 
That's when he sent Jesus. So now he just says, come to me. Come to me with all of it. See, when we repent, we're just agreeing with the Lord. We're saying, Lord, I, I, I see it. I see that sin. And I know you see it too. And we come to him and just say, Lord, you paid for it. It, it was nailed to the cross. Scripture says that he canceled our debt. Repentance is not a reminder, but it's a time for us to say it's already been paid for. Lord, would you change me? So right where you're at, maybe you just need to pray where you're at. Maybe you need to come to the altar. Maybe there's someone in this room that you need to confess to. Someone that you need to ask forgiveness. See, Scripture says that if we confess our sins to one another, then you'll be healed. There's power in that when you bring things to the light. And this isn't a matter of shame. This is a matter of grace and freedom and love and life. So let's do that now. Let's just respond to the Lord however you need to.
Norman Wallace to come and share with us. Pray with me. Most holy God, our Creator, you tell us in the Bible that repentance is the foundation of the relationship you desire to have with us. We repent for our sins when we first came to faith and receive your forgiveness and salvation. But because we're human, and not divine. Repentance is still needed all along our faith journey. We sometimes like your way, like our ways better than your ways. We want to reclaim the throne of our lives and not allow you to be Lord over our lives, like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Praying scripture is a good prayer. This is from Psalm 51. As an old man, I'll fumble with this, so you help me, please. If you'll hold the mic. Thank you. Be gracious to me, God according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you're right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and give me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways, and sinners will return to you. I need that. Lord, help us to remember the words of Jesus when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Father, we ask you to show us what you intend for us to do in seeking your righteousness. Help us to do what you require of us. In Micah 6, 8, you tell us that you have shown your people that you require us to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. Lord, help us to seek you and to understand what that means for us in our daily lives. Jesus told us that we are blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and that when we do hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, we see that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so, Father, I confess that I do not reach the level of yearning, aching, longing, or hungering and thirsting to do what you require. Forgive me for desiring most what I want, what gives me human, temporal, empty pleasure. I ask you to help me to seek and find my delight in you and in doing your will. Father, please forgive me when I fail to love mercy and I am patient with those I love, people around me. Forgive me when I judge my life by human standards and not by your standards as recorded in the Bible and in Jesus' life. Convict me when I self-righteously compare my behavior with that of others and conclude I'm not too bad. I'm better than those people are. Father, I ask you to forgive me for failing to grow and stay in tune with you when I neglect personal prayer times with you and when I neglect personal Bible reading and study. Lord, I confess that I'm not always in tune with you and I miss opportunities to share the good news. Help me to live each day with a readiness to give witness to you and to honor you. Forgive me for hypocrisy when I go through motions in worship without strong passion for you and without truly engaging with you in personal devotion. Forgive me for doing acts of service without true compassion for those I serve. Father, I ask you to keep growing me and disciplining me to become more and more like you. And I pray this prayer for my brothers and sisters here with me now. In Jesus' name, I thank you for hearing my prayer and for your forgiveness and grace over me. I love you, Lord. Amen. We want to continue in this spirit of um, just confessing to the Lord. And again, not that this is not a recounting of our wrongs, but it's a fixing our eyes on His grace and His goodness. 
so you can continue to have this this posture and, and if you need to can if you need to move and talk to someone else here in this room feel free to do that if you need to come down to the altar uh, continue in that spirit we'll sing these simple words i need thee every hour into the presence of the Lord. He welcomes us. He invites us. He's a father that says, come home, child. And he invites us to come just as we are.
I counted to be healed, and I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled, and I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcome with open arms, praise God, just as I am. So praise God, just as I am. Praise God, just as I am. One more time, praise God. Praise God, just as I am. We come because of His goodness. Let's sing, God, You are so good together. why we can stand in your presence. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is good news for us. Amen. I want to pray this passage, um, 1 Peter 5, 7. It talks about anxiety and fear, so you pray with me. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Father, we pray right now. We know that the enemy loves for us to fear, loves to bring anxiety in our life. Father, we know even right now at this very moment that, that fear wants to steer us in certain ways that you do not want us to be steered. Wants us to be anxious about things that you have already taken care of. And so, Father, right now, would you help us be steered by you, be guided by you, rather than fear, God. 
And so, Father, right now there's things that we fear that we want to pray for strength. We want to replace fear with faith. And Father, we pray right now that you'd help us with this. As we think about the fears in our life, we think about anxiety in our life. Father, we cast them away. We cast it aside. And we look to you. We know that your word tells us that you are truth. (laughs) And you are good, Father. And you also told the Pharisees that your truth and Jesus, who is the truth, you said the truth will set us free. We want to be set free from fear, from anxiety. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So Father, we pray that right now. As we go into a time of asking during this evening, Father, we pray that we know that you have called us to ask. You want us to ask. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I have a story to tell, um, and some of you heard this story last week or last Wednesday, and uh, it was an encouragement to some, it's an encouragement to me, I want to share it with you as well, so you may be encouraged. Um, it starts uh, really last Sunday, week from today, we could go today, I was walking through the sanctuary, and Miss Janice Potts calls me by name and says, Patrick, come over here and sit down, I need to talk to you, in a very sweet way, only that she could do it, and I knew I was going to listen, no matter what she was going to say. And she starts sharing with me about a friend of hers uh, by the name of Tony McGrudy, McGordy, McGordy. I don't know Tony. I never knew Tony. Many of you know knew Tony, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, he was an educator and a teacher, and and he and Miss Janice, they uh, they I think they had classrooms right beside each other, right? And taught together for 20 years, and were very close friends. And she's going to tell me about Tony and how just an incredible guy he was, and. And uh, how he just was a lover of all things and just, just a wonderful friend. Uh, they spent time together at school and out of school and all those things. And she said he was a great photographer and she told a great story to me and about a, a picture that he had taken that she loved so much. And then at her retirement uh, party, he was going to give her this picture. But he, Tony was the type of guy that wasn't just going to give her the pictures. When he presented the picture to her, on the front of the picture, he had a picture of a Chippendales dancer as well. <laughs> so when she opened it, there was this Chippendale dancer, and behind it was the real picture. Just that kind of guy, just a real, just a lover of life. And she went on to tell me that Tony had never given his life to Christ, and he had never, 
had been somewhat resistant to the whole idea of God, of, of saving grace, of Christ dying for his sins and giving his life to that for salvation, that he has really kind of been against that his entire life. And, and Tony had recently taken a turn uh, health-wise and was, had found himself in hospice, and time was coming to an end. And she said, I want you to go and talk to Tony uh, for me, and I want you to tell him that I asked you this. And when you get there, I want you to tell him that I want to see him when I get to heaven. So that was Sunday. Monday, uh, I have hospital visitations. If you're ever in the hospital on Monday, you get to see me. All right. So Monday, I went and visited Tony at hospice. And uh, to say that the moment was orchestrated by God would be an understatement. Um, Walked into hospice, found his room, and he was all alone. He was in his bed. And Tony was uh, not doing great. He couldn't speak. He was awake, couldn't move. Um, I only got the impression that he knew I was there because the nurse told me that he would know that I was there and that he could still hear. So it was just me and Tony, and I was talking to Tony, and I said, hey, Tony, you know, I'm, I'm Patrick. You don't know me, but you know Janice Potts. And Miss Janice asked me to come see you. And I told him all about the stories that Miss Janice had told me about him and and that connection to try to just create a, create a somewhat of a connection there. And, and then I told him, you know, Miss Janice told me to tell you that she wants to see you when you get to heaven, when she gets to heaven. And, and she also told me that you have never given your life to Christ. And I said, you know, God has a plan for you. God loves you. He created you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be with you for eternity. And I shared with him all these things, and then I shared with him, you know, hey, Tony, I, I, can't, I can't tell if you can hear me. Tony was laying there on his back. He had his eyes open, but they were not really engaged. And sometimes he would look at me. He wouldn't turn, but he would look his eyes with me. Sometimes he'd look away. and sound, It seemed like he was listening, but it was really hard to tell. I said, you know, Tony, you can make this decision today. You don't have to wait. And it's a decision you don't have to do anything There's not a special word you have to say. You can do it in your heart, in your mind, between you and the Lord. He hears you, he knows you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And I shared with him, I said, this is simply how you do it. And I gave him the ABCs, just like Brother Dan shares almost every Sunday, to admit, believe, confess, admit that you are a sinner, that you made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. To believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he came, he was the son of God, and he lived the perfect life, and he died and took the penalty that we deserved. We deserved death and punishment, but we didn't get it. Instead, God punished Jesus on our behalf. God killed Jesus instead of killing us. He punished Jesus in our place. And I said, and then you just confess him as your, as your Lord and Savior. You confess him in your heart. You confess him in your mind. You tell the Lord right where you're at how that you want to be a Christian, that you want to live for him, that you want to give your life to him, that you want that forgiveness. I shared all these things and I said, and I, and I want to just pray a prayer just to give you some words that you might want to say. If you don't know what to say, I'm going to pray some prayer and, I, and just maybe you might want to say this to the Lord. So I close my eyes and Tony's to my left and I'm bound my head and like this and I'm praying a prayer, and I pray basically those things. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner, that I need forgiveness of sin, that I have separated from you because of my sin, and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I just prayed the whole thing. And uh, and, and, and in praying, I was talking to Tony, and then 
When I said amen, I opened my eyes and Tony was staring daggers through me. His eyes were fully awake. I mean, as wide as my eyes are right now. And he was looking right at me. And he had a big old tear in his eye. And uh, it startled me. I wasn't expecting it. I had my eyes closed. And when I opened my eyes and he is staring at me, it literally made me jump. I said, Tony, I don't know what's going on. I, I know you can't tell me. I said, but it seems like you heard me. It seems like something's going on. It seems like the Lord is working in your heart right now, working in your life. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it seems like to me. And if that's true, Tony, I want you to know that when your time here on earth ends, you're going to be in the hands of the Lord. He is going to walk with you. You're going to close your eyes on this day, and you're going to open them in the presence of God. And you have nothing to be afraid of. He is going to walk with you that whole way. And I just kind of shared with him kind of what that would be like and all those things and just kind of comforted him. And, and this whole time, like I said before, his eyes were kind of half closed, half open. And he would look around. And this whole time, he was wide awake, eyes locked onto me as I'm talking. And uh, so all this happens, and, and then I'm kind of just kind of said all that I need to say. I mean, there was really nothing else to say, and I'm getting ready to kind of be done and leave. And about that time, Nancy Hewlin walks in. Nancy was Tony's wife at one point in life. And um, to kind of give a little context, Nan a week prior to this, the pre previous Monday, I had hospital visits, and I was at Lourdes Hospital, and I was walking in to visit someone. I don't remember who it was exactly. But as I'm walking to the elevator, I see Nancy. And she says, oh, praise God, I, was, I, I need help. And I said, okay, what do you need? She said, my ex-husband Tony is in the hospital. He's probably not going to make it long, and he's never put his faith in Christ. And I don't know what to say. What do I say? I said, well, let's just go. I'll go with you. So we go to, together to his room, and she's telling me all about Tony. She's telling me about all of this, and making all these connections for him. When we get to his room, he's not there. So he was at doing dialysis. So that was kind of the end of that. So then fast forward back to Sunday, I get done talking to Tony and Nancy walks in. So she's fully aware that I'm in the loop on all this stuff. And if you see Nancy, you ought to talk to her. I think there's more to the story than even I know. But um, Nancy walks in and I say, Nancy, you're not going to believe what just happened. Let me just tell you the story. So I tell Nancy the story. Tony's there and he... Still, this whole time, he is locked onto me, glued to me. And I'm telling her, and she's praising God, oh my gosh, this is incredible, this is awesome. And she, you know, more boldly than I felt comfortable, went to Tony and put her hands on him and said, Tony, did you accept Christ? Do you see Jesus? Are you a Christian now? She said, blink if you are. And sure enough, Tony blinked. Praise God, right? Tony blinked, um, still just his eyes were burning, staring at me. Um, we're both now praising the Lord, crying and uh, praising the Lord for what he's doing, praising him that he pursued Tony till the very last chance. Uh, we prayed again, Tony and I and Miss Nancy, and um, the whole time we're praying, he is uh, right there with me, locked in. Um, as I closed in prayer, I'm looking at Tony, and no kidding, he winked at me. And I don't know if that's Tony or what that is, but that's what he did. No kidding. And um, 
You know, and then he died on Tuesday. That was a Monday. And I believe in all my heart, only the Lord knows, but I believe in all my heart, Tony is in heaven. And the Lord saved him at the last second. So praise God. Let's give God a hand for that. You want to, I know. Absolutely. Matthew 16, 24. I want you to think about this. God's word. Remember, he wants to take away fear, take away things, lies in our life, and replace it with truth, right? Matthew 16, 24 says this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Uh, that same passage is also in Mark 1.17. It's in Luke 9.23. It's in John chapter 12 and other passages also. You know, it's just something here how the, the dying of self, uh, the dying of our own plans, the dying of our own desires, etc., and then the following of Christ in our life. It's first at salvation, we know, this dying. But it's also all the way through life, isn't it? It's a continual thing. It's a putting away. It's a dying of self. And so where God wants us to be in our prayers is for us to make his desires our desires. Just think about that. God wants us to make his desires our desires. And as Patrick was just giving the testimony, that's exactly his desire, right? God's desire is for people to come to know Christ. And so we're going to talk about, we want to pray, right? We're going to go into a time of prayer. And we want to think about lostness, lostness. And we want to think about how we think about lostness. If you think about scriptures and passages that uh, talk about lostness with Jesus, you always see when it comes to lostness that Jesus has compassion on people, sheep. And so we're going to pray right now just for lostness for us, how we view lostness, that we may view lostness like Jesus views lostness. And so, Father, we come to you right now. Help us see lostness like you see lostness. Would you create a fire in us We're asking that burn so deep for lostness, for lost people. May we hurt because there's lostness around us. May we understand that you're only plan, your great plan is to use us when it comes to lostness. 
Father, we know the enemy does not want us to see lostness. The enemy wants us to be completely blind to people who are lost around us. But Father, we know that you see it differently. Father, we think of Luke chapter 5 with Jesus and the leper who had compassion. You had compassion. The paralytic in Luke 5, you had compassion. The woman at the well, you had compassion, Father. Father, we also now pray. We want to pray individually for lostness in our family. So I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Wherever you're at, just pray for lostness in your family. Lost people in your family, that they would come to know Christ. Father, we pray for friends that are lost, and we pray, pray for them by name right now. Father, if we don't know friends that are lost, Father, we know that's another problem. Father, we pray that you would, you would help us find people, friends in our life that are lost. Father, we, we want to make a goal right now in our life. We may ne never have shared the gospel with anybody in our life ever before. But as we've talked about, you told us not to fear, not to be anxious, Father. Father, we ask that you would help us make that step to share maybe our personal testimony with others. We also now want to pray for people that we work with or have worked with that are lost or maybe people that you go to school with that are lost. 
We want to pray for neighbors, neighbors that are lost right now. Neighbors, people down our street, people we know, maybe people we've never visited before. We pray right now for salvation. Second thing we want to pray for is our life groups. We pray for teachers right now in life groups. Think about a teacher, an adult teacher right now. Maybe even your own adult teacher. Let's pray for an adult teacher right now. pray for the college, the 20-something teachers, also the students right now, student teachers. pray for our children's teachers right now. For all these teachers, we will pray for encouragement, protected time in the Word, protected time in prayer. We will pray for their heart to be close to yours, Lord. We want to pray that evangelism will be our primary key when it comes to groups. Next, we want to pray for care group leaders. So, Father, we pray for care group leaders, Lord, right now. Father, we pray that they would keep groups focused on caring for others. Father, we pray that we'll do our part when it comes to groups. Father, that we'll care for others in our own group, connect with others in our group. Father, we pray for outreach leaders in our group. Father, we pray that they'll keep us focused on reaching 
the lost. Father, we pray we'll do our part in reaching others and inviting them to group, Father. Next, we pray for new teachers. We pray for new teachers. Father, we pray that that you would be very clear and draw people to teach your word. Father, we know that anytime we multiply a class, we know that we reach more people, and you are about reaching people, Father. So, Father, let us have a vision, again, of, of what you envision. Let your wants be our wants. May, may we want what you want, Lord. And so, Father, we not only pray for new teachers right now, people to teach your word, but, Father, we pray for those to start new groups. Father, we pray for us to multiply groups that need to be multiplied. And, Father, we pray against fear or anxiety in these areas. Make our wants your wants, Lord, as you want to reach people. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. Father, thinking about about the gospel, Father, we also, next, we pray for sharing the gospel with others. We've talked about lost people. We've talked about groups as we bring people into groups to get connected, to be cared for, and hear the gospel. Father, now we pray for us, again, to share the gospel with others. Sometimes we fear about sharing the gospel with others. But Father, your word in John fourteen six says that you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Praise the Lord. Father Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans three twenty three says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, Father, we pray that these passages and literally hundreds of other passages about lostness, about sharing the gospel with others. We put a new desire in our life because we want to see things the way you do. Father, we want to be led by the Spirit of God. 
I want to say this very clearly. We want to be led by your spirit. Lord, we do not want to be led by your spirit only in comfort, only in the little things or only in the things that we're okay with. But Father, we want to be led by the spirit even when you ask us to share the gospel with others. We want to be led by your spirit. We want to be led by your spirit even in the hard things. Help us want to be led by the Spirit so much that we are willing to follow you no matter the cost, Lord. Now lastly, as a church, we pray for two things. One, we pray for the pastor search team right now. What a beautiful process so far. I just praise you for the organization and the thought that has went into all of this. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we pray for each individual on that pastor search team that they be guided by you, and we know they will. We want to commit to praying for them in our homes where we're at work. And so, Father, we continue that process even right now. We pray for them. We pray they would be so clear-minded and set on you in every direction. Pray against the enemy's schemes and his lies as he loves to kill, steal, and destroy. But again, you've come for truth. We also pray for those on the building team. Father, thank you for a church that's willing to continue to go forward in what you've called us to do. Thank you for a team and a church that's continually has our eyes on you. And with that, Father, we pray against any distractions that the enemy would like to bring up. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the King, our God, the one we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Brenda Lichtenberg. Would you pray with me, please? Father, you have led us. You've blessed this church for many years as faithful men and women sought your guidance and looked to you 
for strength and wisdom. Tonight, Lord, we come asking you to continue to lead and to bless our church. I thank you for this night of prayer for a church that is a praying church. And God, tonight, I pray for the building project that this church voted on some time ago. We thank you that now, after several delays, work, real work, should begin in the next few weeks that we can actually see on phase zero of the church building project. And we are grateful. We ask that the excitement of what this will mean for your work and for future generations be renewed in each of us. We pray that all of us consider what our part should be as we support this project. As we have from the beginning, we pray for your timing and for, for finances as we proceed with this project but only in your timing, Lord. God, it's no surprise to you that now as our project begins to actually take shape and we can begin to see something that's going to be something we can watch, we're also beginning to search for a new pastor. Lord, tonight, I pray for spiritual wisdom, and understanding for our church as we join together in prayer for the search committee and the work before us. We thank you, God, that Brother Dan has led us 20-plus years. We're also grateful for the church staff that you have put in place and will continue to lead our church in the coming months as we search for our pastor. But God, you are our shepherd. We need your guidance as we seek your will and your timing in the selection process. Lord, we ask that you draw us closer to you individually and as a church as we stay focused on you and seek to find the man that you have to next lead us. Lord, I pray for the changes that will likely take place in our church in the months to come. May we be gracious. May we be patient. I pray, Lord, for our church family and the, for the bonds of love to be strengthened as we unite in prayer. I pray for our church staff during this period of time. Encourage them in the months to come. I pray for each individual on the search committee, for our families, for unity, for clarity of mind and purpose as we move forward. I pray, Lord, for our next pastor and his family. 
Even now, Lord, I ask you to begin working in his heart, in the heart of his family, his wife, and children, if there are children, preparing them for the move. Lord, in all we do, in all we undertake, we ask that you walk before us. God, we love you, and we thank you for what you have done and will continue to do at Lone Oak First Baptist Church. And we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight we've followed a, a very simple formula that Brother Dan has taught us for uh, his 20 years. Um, when you pray, P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And the yielding is often the hardest part. Having the faith to trust the Lord when the, when the answer isn't what you expected or when uh, it takes a long time while you wait. We have a testimony uh, from Miss Janice Potts. Uh, and we have, when she's done, we have one more song and then we're going to be done tonight. But Miss Janice's testimony of, of, of trusting God in the waiting, I think, is very uh, helpful to us to understand um, how we can have faith in our daily lives. It's a little hard for me to stand here, so it won't be, take very long. As you all know by now, I'm a retired teacher. Uh, but this is Joe's home church. When we were married in 1964, we saw the church burn. We're still here. But when we were, what, 75, 76, we moved to the lake to, as a hobby. We were up there 33 years, and then we came back. I'll call it home. This is home here. And uh, I did teach at Lone Oak High School for 28 years. And uh, we've got a son and a daughter, Diane and Randy. They are, Randy's at Edible, Diane's in Alfreda, Georgia. And <clears throat> we've had a good life, good life. Well, uh, last year, 21, I believe it was, September, October, uh, I had been having blood work done, hematology, for several years. I've been on blood thinner for a long time. And uh, they would check my blood every about four months. And my platelets were low. So they said, we need to find out. Now, a PA was seeing me. I never saw an oncologist or anything. And they said, we need to find out why your platelets are so low. Well, they said, that is a bone marrow test. Okay, so I had a bone marrow test, and it came back multiple myeloma, cancer. So I called my primary care doctor, Dr. Eichels, and I said, I've got to talk to you, got to talk to you. So he said, come on. So then he said, we need to get a second opinion. So uh, he said, I want you to see Dr. Skinner and Dr. Cladino. Well, Dr. Skinner was out of town at the time, so uh, 
I saw Dr. Cladino. He said, well, I see something. I don't see something on the first bone marrow test that I'm looking for. So he said, we need to do another one. So I've had two bone marrow tests. Okay, it comes back. He said, you do have multiple myeloma cancer. The worst thing that anyone could tell you. There is no cure. It can be treated. It's bone marrow. So it's all over you. So uh, anyway, this church, there are so many hands and feet of Jesus here. You just don't know until you need them. And they have been very, very supportive of everything. And I appreciate every one of you. I've had to have help. I do go to Vanderbilt every three months. And the doctor down there referred me to a kidney doctor. My kidneys aren't good. The multimyeloma has had a part of that effect. Now it's affected my liver and my spleen. So anyway, um, they're going to treat me. I'm on chemo every Friday. And it looks like I'm going to be on it for a long, long time. But when you talk about prayer, that's what you've got to have is prayer. This church is a praying church, and I feel every one of them, every prayer that's put out for You look at our prayer list and see how many people are sick. There are so, so many. And our good staff, I call them the hands and feet of Jesus, as well as a lot of you are. So we'll get through this. This is when Dr. Cladino told me, you've got multimyeloma cancer. And I just looked at him and I said, God's got this. And I've told him that nearly every time I see him. And I've told the doctors that at Vanderbilt also. And I feel fortunate because I like every one of my doctors. And uh, that's more than you can say sometimes anyway. So, But I do like them, every one of them. So pray. Get down on your hands and knees and pray. And, of course, I've been in choir for years. I miss it. I miss coming to church. I like to see it online when I can't get to church. But you need to be at church also. You need to be around people. And the songs that we sing, listen to the words. Listen to the words. My goodness gracious, they, they're going to get you through a lot of things. And God's got this. So we'll get through it. Have you been encouraged tonight? It's, it's good to gather. Um, and we, we always, we gather every Sunday. Um, but, but this is a special time. Um, we, when me and Hank and others talked about this, we just said, what, what does this look like? And we really just said, we just want to get together and seek the Lord. And that's all. And I think we can all walk out of this room and say, I think we've all truly done that. And we've been encouraged by one another and we've seen stories of faith. Um, we, we've seen stories of struggle. But as, as Ms. Shannon just said, God's got this. Everything is in his hands. Um, 
And not for, not for a moment have we ever held anything. And that's just the truth. Um, so, so we can rest in that. That's a heavy thought, I know. But it's a really comforting thought because when we know that the Lord of the universe cares for us, that's why we cast our cares on him because he cares for us. That we, we're different than the birds. We're different than, than the animals. We're different than the flowers. We're created in his image. He loves us. He sent Jesus for us, not for anything else in this world, but for us. And through that, he is redeeming everything, including this world. And he is restoring all things to himself. So we just want to, to praise the Lord for his goodness, um, because without, without his goodness, there would be nothing. Every good thing is from him. This is a good thing, this church. Um, all, of, all of you gathered here together, this is a good thing, and it's from the Lord. So we want to turn back that praise to him and say, God, we thank you for this good night that we've had to come together in your name to seek you and nothing else. So would you all stand together? And we just want to sing of the greatness of God, how great he is. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds I hands have I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe is free. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to how great thou art, how great thou art. Sings my soul, my Savior God, to how great Thou art, how great Thou art, and when I think, and when I think that God His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it. That on the cross my burden gladly buried, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart Then I shall bow 
praise for all that he's done tonight, his goodness. And one thought real quick, if you have a child in child care, please express your thanks to them for for keeping our children a little bit longer tonight. Um, But it has been so good to gather here. Let's say uh, just one more word of prayer and then we'll go. Father, we thank you for how great, how awesome, how mighty you are. And Father, that you welcome us into your presence. And tonight, as your people have gathered to seek your face, Father, we can trust in you even deeper as we leave this place. Father, I pray that we would be encouraged by this night. God, as we go to our work, as we go through um, school, God, as we have things with our family. God, that we can trust you in all things. Father, I pray um, that your spirit would fill us, that your spirit would move in us as we go, that we would be your light in this world. God, that you would be glorified in us, your people, here at Lone Oak First Baptist Church, in Lone Oak, in Paducah, and all around the world. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a good night.